the Love Better Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Emily, and we are joined today by Alex Perry, my good friend. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So help people understand your profession, because you do an amazing thing for people in helping them discover their voice, their story, and what they have to say in public settings and in corporate settings, right? Yep. Or just as people. It's just as humans. Yeah humans but so my company is practically speaking and my work revolves around what I call leadership presence public speaking and storytelling skills so in a nutshell I help people communicate better so everything from how do you say what you need to say how do you share a great story how do you get over the nerves of showing up in on a podcast yeah <laughs> in front of other people in front of a group and really helping people hone and craft their message in a way that's clear and commanding and with confidence one of my favorite things about what the way that you do your work, not only what you do, but how you do it, is that you really call people's true selves out. They're not trying to imitate some great speaker they heard. They're learning their own voice. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge gift to give to somebody. Yes. So I'm a firm believer that the only route to success is by showing up as yourself. Right. We spend a lot of time looking at other people comparing ourselves to other people, comparing our stories Mm. to other people's stories Mm -hmm. and forgetting that if we really want to be successful, we've got to show up as who we are because otherwise everything else is a fake or a front that that ultimately will wear off and Mm. people will see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you help that person or people get to that place where they really do discover their story and they're really able to, to share that clearly um, what what difference does that make? So the biggest difference I see it making is, so I work with leaders. I always say I do, quote unquote, executive presence, but I call it leadership presence because not every person I work with is an executive and not every executive I work with is a leader. So oh, say that again for the people in the back. Mm. <laughs> yes. So when someone is able to hone and craft and share their story, you ask me, what do they get out of that? Mm-hmm. They get a greater connection and depth with the people that they're working with. Yeah. Yeah, right on. I believe that for, for sure. I know mm-hmm. in my line of work, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And so being able to not only share my story, mm-hmm. you know, with someone um, that I don't even know, and then for them to be able to turn around and share their story, it makes such an incredible difference just in terms of things like empathy. Mm-hmm. There's vulnerability. Vulnerability in telling your story. For sure. You know, and, and not just necessarily putting your best self forward, so to speak, you know, <laughs> of being able to actually share challenges and things that you've faced in life. And Mistakes. because there have been so many times where I've, I've been in a conference, for instance, let's say, let's say if, if I'm in a conference and I'm hearing a speaker, so many times I feel like they're putting their very best self forward and not necessarily sharing challenges that they've had in their life or line of work. But for those who do, are able to share their story in a way that they actually are able to share some of the challenges and it becomes so much more relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, A good example of this was your TEDx talk. Ah, thank you. And it, if you have not heard Alex's um, TEDx talk, folks, 
go to pswithalex.com and listen, watch her content for that TEDx talk because you used your story in a way that it was vulnerable, but it was redemptive. Mm. Well, and the underlying message of the story, I won't, I won't reveal the story for the listeners, but the underlying message, so the common theme is overcoming or moving through and past doubt. Mm -hmm. So where I think there's a lot of power in storytelling, and you said this, is that it, I can't always relate to your most successful moment, right? Right. So you (laughs) might be an Olympian. Well, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he might be right, yeah. <laughs> right? Or you have so you're a pastor. You have all these accolades and successes that may or may not translate to accolades and successes that I have. But the one universal thing that we can all relate to is challenge, failure, struggle. Yes. Because if you've been alive for more than thirty seconds, mm-hmm. yeah. you've encountered <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> challenge, struggle. I mean, you're not failing as an infant yet, but. Y- y- but you're scared. It doesn't and you take have it doesn't take long for failure to become a part of your existence. So mm-hmm. if you want an instantaneous relatability point with someone, tell them about the thing that you just mucked up, goofed up, right. and they're going to be like, ah, I mucked up something like that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. If they're being real and honest and genuine about it. Yeah, you're totally opening the door for those other people to finally say, Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the person who's standing in the front of the room sharing a story automatically has power, hmm. right? So physically they have power because they're the tallest person in the room. Hmm. And then they automatically have power because we know we've been trained from a very young age that the person at the front that's standing and talking is the person we're supposed to be listening to. Hmm. Right. The difference is as we develop, we get, we start to question and we, we look at those people. We either want to be like them or we don't want to be like them. But m- most of all, people in an audience are looking to find a way to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're trying, they're trying, they yeah. want to, so we, we, we if you're there as an adult, if you're sitting in the seat, you want to connect with that person that's in front of you from the overall speaker standpoint. Yeah. But as a leader on a day to day basis, same concept. So you're the person in charge. People want your people want to connect with you. They want to know you as a person. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. my belief. Yeah. And the best leaders connect with people on that level. They're not just managing behavior or bossing, as I'd like to call it. Right? They are connecting I with hate their people. The word boss, by the way. Yes. I, right. Whenever, whenever um, my team, anyone on my team, will say, "Oh yes, Scott's my boss," or something like that, I just go, "Oh, please don't say that." We yeah. work together. Yeah. We're a team. We're a team. A guide. I just, I just don't like the word boss. Yeah. 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 You're a guide. A guide. I do oh. like the word guide. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've never I don't mind before. being a leader either. Yeah. So because mm-hmm. when I think about what a leader does, right? They this they, they do stand at the front of the line. They organize things and they get you going, but they're mm-hmm. not necessarily always like if you get off track, maybe they're going to knock you back that way. Mm-hmm. But bossing is a different verb to me. It mm-hmm. is. Right? Yeah. Leading is a negative. Yeah. Kind well, leading implies that you want to follow me. Right. Right. You have a choice yeah. in the matter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, come along. You can come. Right. Same That's with guy. Great. I love that. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. First time I ever heard you say that. I, I like yes, that. we all have made mistakes that we have in common, but those mistakes bring about something different in each person based on what they were meant to do in the world. And that's where comparing our stories really is not a service to the world, right? Oh, amen. Hmm. Because we all think, well, my story doesn't look like that person that made a big dent in this issue or this 
you know, area of influence or, you know, made them a lot of money or whatever. My story doesn't look like theirs. So I must not have what it takes to make the same kind of or level of work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a lie. Mm. It's a complete lie. Yeah. And most people don't take the time to really look at their story, the the whole of their story and figure out, okay, what what is it that I learned? Mm. What is it that I could use to inspire, challenge, motivate someone else or teach mm. even? So mm-hmm. you think about a guide teaches you where to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so what I find in my work, especially in corporate work, that many leaders have never even spent the time to think about that. Mm-hmm. They haven't they haven't they're busy and like we all are trying to achieve trying to get to the next level trying to make money trying to keep people (laughs) trying to keep their employees paid and Mm -hmm. and doing the things that they need to do but there gets to be a certain point where people need to approach you or people want to know who you are as a leader to continue to follow you i would say um there are many people who are (laughs) leaders, executives, their people are following them because they have to, mm-hmm. right? My paycheck is dependent on you. Right. Mm-hmm. But you, I think the people that I most respect are the ones that in general, I want to follow you regardless. Mm. I want to be in your presence. I want, mm-hmm. I want to know. Mm-hmm. And I think story is the way to do that with people. For sure. And do you, I want to ask this question just because I don't know. Mm. I know that you have spoken in front of many people do you also work one-on-one? Is that also part of your work? Yes. So when you sit down with an executive, for instance, or a leader, yep. and you begin to talk about story, have you ever had any of those people say to you, what do you mean story? What, how do I, how do I, what do I even say about my story? What's my story? <laughs> Why does it matter? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. In fact, I have one woman, I sh- share her story frequently. She came to me, she's high level in a healthcare organization in Indianapolis. And she was getting feedback. So high achiever, her team was high achieving. Mm-hmm. And they were at a point where the company's struggling and having some issues. And the feedback that she got was that your team likes you they they like you but they don't know you and they want to connect with you and they feel lost they don't know how to lean on you during this time we're struggling we don't know what to do Mm. and so i told her i said well what stories have you told them what sort of motivation have you given them what are you what are you doing in your meetings that's that's inspiring them to have courage and hope and motivation to keep going during this time. And she's like, I'm not telling them anything. And she goes, I don't, I don't have a story to tell. And I said, well, what do you mean? And we talked about all sorts of things. We talked about how she, she's like, yeah, if you go into my office, I have a picture of a kid. She actually has three. She doesn't update even her physical space to show that she has a story that's outside of of work. Hmm. And then I challenged her to go back. I said, I want you to think about what are the things in your life that are impactful, some challenges that you've been through. And she came back to me the next session with a storyboard that she had created at some other point in her life and had forgotten about. And on this storyboard were things like, I was the first woman in my family to go to college. I went to an all women's college, African-American college. I went through these struggles, but the thing that most got me and that I just find amazing. So here's a person who's high level leader, super high achiever, done all of these things. And 
I don't have anything to relate to in time of struggle. And she says to me, and, and she's showing me this, this board, this vision board. And on this vision board is 9-11. And she was on Wall Street at 9-11 mm-hmm. and had suffered the loss of many friends Whoa. and colleagues, but didn't see the connection at all between I have had that experience that I could share with my current staff, however, so many, so many years later. Hmm. She never saw the connection. That would be instant connection. It's instant, instant connection. connection. An instant relief for her staff to know that she has been through something oh, yeah. so traumatic. Hmm. So when you, when I know that you have been through something big and that you're okay, that you're not you're you're not looking to me for support. You're saying, "Here's how I got through this." Mm-hmm. Then I know I can lean into you and on you as a leader, because you can relate to even mm-hmm. my biggest struggle. Yeah, yeah. You I'm even fogging up right now just thinking about this woman. <laughs> yep. That she did not feel like she had a story. Nothing. And then when she verbalized that, mm-hmm. I'm instantly. It's like I'm putting myself in the position of one of her employees, for instance, and going, "Oh my gosh." I'm so heartbroken for you that you experienced that, you yeah, know, right. yep. that's instant connection. It's, and it's, wow. and it's connection for, so I want to make sure I'm really clear because vulnerability becomes a really tricky issue in storytelling. So there's a point where you have processed your story well enough to be able to tell it without making the audience or your people. In this case, if we're talking about a corporate world, mm-hmm. I don't want people to feel like they have to take care of me. Right. Mm. So if you've yes. not done the work to process your story, mm. Please don't share. Yeah, wait until... We've experienced that, right? right I'm yes. sure you've seen it, at, and I'm going to... Oh, in church. Uh, in church all the time. Oh, we've got somebody who's experienced something really bad. Let's they put a microphone Let's in put a hand. microphone in front of them. And right. all you're doing is, number one, you're running a huge risk of re-traumatizing the person. Yes. That's a very good point to make. And you are putting the audience in the position of, now I feel like I have to take care of this person. Mm. You may not even recognize it as an audience member, but you just get this like queasy feeling watching the person. You're like, this makes me uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. And it's all the time. It's because you feel like you have to take care of that person. That person is not ready, has not done the work to share that in a way that's helpful to both them and you to say, this is what I've learned. This is what I've gleaned. I am able to talk about it with a certain level of detachment mm-hmm. because, man. That's good. That is very instructive. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because I'm just sitting here thinking of, yeah, it happens all the time. Oh, yeah, I've, I know this person's story or at least a mm-hmm. part of their story. Yeah, let's get them up and let's have them speak. Mm-hmm. And how much uh, greater their story and their impact of their story would be if we take the time before that service or that event or that conference or whatever that is to sit down with them and help them develop that story or have them tell it to you mm-hmm. first and then see is that a clear compelling you know story in terms of how you're presenting that and, and yes coach and them, are you ready you to will, tell it are you them, guide them. yeah and are you even ready to tell it are you ready Friends, let's hit pause on our podcast for a moment and talk about your story. If you've ever thought about writing your story, but you don't know where to start, I have created Storytelling School. Go to emilysutherland.me for details. I will help you create a process for starting and finishing your story. I will also share all the tools and resources I use to create manuscripts. 
Plus, you will get to know other writers and storytellers so you can cheer one another on. Find out all the details and sign up while there's still space at emilysutherland.me. So, you know, I do work with Grit and Grace, survivors of human trafficking, women who are at risk of human trafficking. You can almost physically see when a person is in their head and reliving that experience and not in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever organization you're working with, I want to know about that. How, do, how does somebody help? get involved with that whole deal. Yeah, so Grit into Grace, you can find information about us online at gritintograce.org. Say it again. Grit into Grace. Grit into Grace.org. Mm-hmm. Grit into Grace.org. And so our mission is to help women who are at risk of or currently experiencing sexual exploitation. Mm. We meet them where they are and help guide them through the process. So I sit on the board for that. Stephanie Jeffers is the founder. And so we have the Dream House, which is on like downtown Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And it is a resource center for women that where women can go during the day there as mental health services. We help guide them through getting funding and health care and basic needs met. Um, they get together for lunches. We firmly believe that you don't solve this problem by coming in and pulling women out. You go in and you meet them where they are. So we actively work. What makes us unique, number one, is we work with women who are above the age of 18. So there are many resources, not enough, but many resources for 18-year-olds and younger, but not a lot after that. So once you're an adult, people figure you can handle it. Mm. Um, and so we fit that that premise. And then... Um, we also believe that you can't, like, we don't proselytize. Like, obviously, yes, we share God's love. That's a big part of who we are, but we are not looking to preach, convert. Mm-hmm. Women can come as they are. So if that means you're currently in the industry in some way, shape, or form, we're going to love you no matter what. I love that. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? So Steph right. will tell you hilarious stories about people walking in. She's like, oh, so-and-so is not doing well, and, right? Mm-hmm. So they might yeah. be high, but we're going to meet you where you are, That's and huge. then we're going to love you first. And then we're going to trust that that process is what's going to make you better, right? Very that we're going to help get you whatever you need. So what you're talking about right now is something that we keep saying and running into over and over again, that, that we do not transform ourselves in order to be loved. Love transforms us, Ooh, right? Say that again. We do not transform ourselves in order to be loved, but love transforms us. I think if we could trust that process, there would be so many more people able to share a story of redemption after a story that they felt like would never be shareable Mm -hmm. because we go to where they are and love is takes center stage instead of whatever agenda we have to check off in our own minds. You know, I'm I'm doing this great thing or I'm going to get this person some sort of result that I want for them rather than going in and love them as they are, where they are. That is what makes a story go in a better direction, don't you think? Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm sure you see it over and over again because that's the approach. Yes. Well, and I I think it's really interesting to tie it back to the corporate world. And Mm -hmm. so I can just imagine certain people I know cringing at the thought of love better in corporate world. Mm -hmm. However, 
if we're going to get people to stay in their jobs, right? So retention is a huge issue right now. Mm -hmm. Attraction and retention. If you spend any time in the corporate world, you're going to hear those two things. Mm -hmm. Loving better, sharing stories, being a part of a community, a culture is what people are looking for. Yes. Right on. Right. And what I'm hearing you saying is that from the top of America's corporate (sighs) ladder to the absolute streets where people are feeling stuck like they will never know a better life, every story matters. The end. We can wrap now. <laughs> Thanks, <Okay>. Emily. <laughs> well, no. What I, we didn't know was Emily was really the storytelling expert. No, no, here. no. But, but they don't know it. And that's where you yes. come in. You know, every story matters, but everybody doesn't realize that their story matters because it doesn't look like what they wanted it to look like. Right. Or thought it would look like. They can't, back to my the woman that I worked with, they don't see the connection. So I help people make that connection. Why would that be important? How can you use that? How can you create a bank of stories that you can use in certain situations that will impact your team in a positive way? Also, I'm going to point this out. So the struggle between corporate world and Mm non-for-profit world. So non-for-profit will be done all the time because we tend to be all story, not Mm -hmm. enough data. Right. Corporate world. And these are, I mean, this is a very gross generalization, but all data, no story. Mm -hmm. And I'm a believer that you need both. Yes. You need both. You need the ability to tell a story with the data and you need it. You need the data to support funding dollars mm. all of the things mm-hmm. that keep the ship running yeah so yeah something that we think of about often are people in different different cultures different socioeconomic uh status um not not knowing each other or mm. even aware of each other and we we cross paths every day with people who are different than us, um, you know, all the way from hatred, you know, to just being completely unaware or not even seeing people. And one of the things that is so important to us with Love Better is somehow getting people together from different backgrounds of all kinds to hear each other's stories to even just start a conversation where we can get to know one another because I know that I have found, I know Emily has found this to be true and I'm sure you have too, Alex, that when you do sit across from someone that is different than than you, however that looks, when they begin to tell you about their life, mm-hmm. it's amazing how so much of the misconceptions that we have about people and uh, racism, hatred, starts to dwindle. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of just you, from your perspective and how how do we do that? You want a step-by-step process? <laughs> Look up. <laughs> Look up. Step one. You know what I mean, though? Right. Step one. It feels huge. It does it feel feels huge bigger than any difference any one of us can make those of you who are listening emily alex and i sitting here it feels huge but it's like how do we get that down into the day-to-day living level and i think story 
is such a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. I will say that I think it starts with the smallest of steps, which is looking up from whatever it is that you're doing and at someone else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I We want to launch right into story and sitting down with someone before we've even acknowledged them in the customary way that we used to acknowledge humans, which was to make eye contact, smile, and say hello. Right. <laughs> That'd be a real good start right there. <laughs> That's a really good start. It's amazing to me driving through my own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My, my kid laughs because I wave at everybody and it's a game (laughs) to see who waves back. Oh, that's good. And I live in the classic white suburban neighborhood. We have a, a little bit of diversity, but not near what we would need to be considered diverse at all. That's the truth. And so I look at it and I say, we want to have these tough conversations. We need to acknowledge that the other person exists first. That includes the cashier across from you at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Yes. That includes the guy at Meyer pulling in the carts that mm-hmm. I right, try to say hi to him. Mm-hmm. So before we ever get to the point where we can hear someone else's story, we have to acknowledge their presence first. And then we start the typical dialogues of what's your name how are you we've lost that we well i i don't know that we've lost it completely but we're losing it yes yes we are losing it and i say you have to earn the right to hear someone else's story to really sit down with someone and earn the right to hear their story sure there are people I mean, I'm one of them who, like, I go out with an, an intention and a mission to share my story. The TEDx talk was intentional for multiple reasons. And not everyone's going to do that. So if you want to learn somebody's story, earn the right to do it by showing interest in them first. Mm-hmm. So back to what I know to be of love better and what you guys teach, and I think you do really well, or what are the tiniest things that we can do? Man, look at somebody in the eye. Right. Especially that person that looks different, especially the one that you're a little uncomfortable looking at because they may not look like you or they may not walk like you or they wouldn't be the normal person that you'd say hi to. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. That's good. Do you find that in your work when you are teaching someone how to tell their story? Do you ever find that people are nervous to share their story because of what other people might think of that story every single day especially in corporate america because vulnerability and sharing too much information is frowned upon and i also frown on sharing too much information yeah so so yeah yeah. where's that balance then (laughs) where's that balance between i want to be truthful about my experiences and i don't want everybody to respond in a way that they're trying to take care of me so where's that how do you teach somebody how to process their story in a way that is good for everybody the first step is saying it out loud so storytelling is an iterative process it is something that you do over and over and over again so i also think that we tend to think of storytelling or telling a story as a single time event so i'm going to work on the story i'm going to craft the story and then i'm going to go deliver it 
and I'm going to deliver it the same way every time. Well, we're not robots. We're not machines. So people who do a, a phenomenal job with telling their personal stories have worked on these stories over and over and over again, and they gauge the audience reaction. They gauge how did they feel when they told the story? Did this part feel icky and uncomfortable? Did I notice that I'm not acting in a way that's true to myself when I tell the story? Those are big indicators to me that something isn't right and you need to pivot and change. Mm-hmm. I think where most people need to start is even making the attempt at sharing a story and then sitting in the uncomfortable process of having of having someone else listen to it and give you feedback on it. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. We joke about the TEDx talk, and not to make everything about this, but it's a it's a clear example. So how long did it take me? It's, it's roughly nine minutes, almost 10. How long did it take me to, to do that story? Well, I joke with people. I say it took me over 20 years. Right. Right. So the, the whole span of that story actually occurs within, I mean, my gosh, it's 20, almost 24 years of my life condensed down to 10 minutes. And the process of me even beginning to share that story started well before I ever got to TEDx. And then by the time I did get to TEDx, it had occurred in multiple other formats. Hmm. And it had I probably had 150 hours of rehearsal time into that particular one particular story. So I think people tend to... <sighs> Think of it as like if I just get this story down and then I can deliver it and it's gonna be like a little wingding. Yeah. That's and not then true. I check it off. I that's not true. Story, yeah. Then that's not to say that you can't. I mean, you can tell anecdotal stories. We tell anecdotal stories all the time, which are super fun, mm-hmm. and you should have lots kind of off lots the of cuff, those, and, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah. I, I tried to do this today and it ended up being like me trying to walk through peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It didn't work, right? <laughs> like those sorts of things that are anecdotal, fun, easy, easy things that you can interject into how you talk, mm-hmm. but. I don't know if I really answered your question. No, but that, I, I, yes, you did, but um, it, it's not the same for everybody, you know. Um, it's such a, uh, because we aren't, like you said, robots, we are not, you know, machines. Um, we cannot tell our story without feeling the emotion that we felt, you know. We can't process it. Um, how do you know if somebody's ready to tell their story? Mm. So things I look for most of the time can you tell it without becoming overly emotional so some emotion is natural but there's a certain point where i don't know you've probably sat with people where they cannot get through it sometimes i can't get through you it. can't get through it you're so uncomfortable everybody's so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that you say this story is not yet ready it's not ready to go not for other people. For other people. Yeah, you still process it. Yes. You still work right. through it. Yeah. Tiny, safe bubbles. So yes. I encourage people, tiny, safe bubbles. Try it. Talk. Talk, talk if, to your friend. Talk to your friend. Mm, good. Talk to your friend. Talk to your spouse. Talk to... Start saying it out loud to anyone. Start saying it out loud to your phone. I encourage people all the time mm. to start telling their stories into their phones. Sometimes it's easier to talk into an inanimate object than it is to talk to another human. That's a yeah. great idea. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then if you right. need sort of yeah. a transition between your phone and a human being, you could tell it to your chihuahua. Exactly. My dog has heard lots of stories. <laughs> <laughs> you can write, if you're a writer, write that out, write mm-hmm. it out, and then read it back to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. really good indication. You know yourself well. Mm-hmm. You can catch your own, I call it BS. You can mm-hmm. also catch all the times 
and I mean, I miss this painfully, but all the times you're like, what sort of fluff was I trying right there? Like, who was I trying to fool? Right. Who was I trying to fool with that? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds terrible. I've got lots of terrible stories I've written and blog posts I've done where it's just embarrassing. I'm like, oh, no, no. (laughs) What was I thinking? But but it's a process. You don't get to, man, I think about. Okay, even just on a huge shift. Like Stephen King, how many things has he written Mm -hmm. to get to the point where he can churn out a bullet of stuff? It's an art. It's a practice. 100%. I worked in the music industry for 20 years, as you know. Yeah. So many songwriters, when they talk about the story behind a song, um, I can think of one right now where the story behind the song which the song was one that everybody was like, that's my story. How did you know how to write my story? And the songwriter said, it took me, they said, how long does it take you to write a song like that? Mm. And she said, 40 years and 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like what you said, you know, it's like your whole life leads you up to the moment that you're in right now. And that has all been significant in what story you need to tell and will tell. And I think every creative person has heard the word, trust the process, trust the creative process. Mm -hmm. But that cannot, that process cannot really truly create a story that compels people to connect with you and to follow you and to lead with you, you know, to get great results with you. I think the woman, you know, leading this company, um, without that story, you know, the creative, trust the creative process, but your creative process is going to involve your story. Mm -hmm. If you're going to create things that people are like, oh my goodness, that is my story too. That is what I want to be a part of too. Yeah. It's unifying. Yeah, I think, so we talked about all of this from a super global, almost big level stage of storytelling, and I don't want to miss or not include the fact that you should be telling stories right now, you should be thinking of stories right now, so that's when I go back to the corporate world, what I tell people is, when was the last time you looked at yourself and reflected on the things in your life that happened that had meaning? So when you can find those things that happened that had meaning, if it had meaning for you, the likelihood of you being able to share that with someone else, they're going to find meaning in that as well. Yep. Right? Yeah, so true. So you have, I mean, then there's all sorts of storytelling arcs and things that you can teach, but you know, there's the classic, I rose from nothing, I fell from nothing, mm-hmm. everything was going fine, then this what this tanked, all the classic storytelling formats. But I think the important thing to do is to start sharing parts of yourself with the people around you. And what is amazing is as soon as you start doing that, how willing other people are to give that back. Yes. And then the return on investment there to be very corporate-y is you have people that want to stay with you longer Mm -hmm. because you have formed that bond. You have formed that connection that I just don't believe can be created any other way. Yeah. You know, I often meet people again, in the music industry as well as uh, the circles that we've been in, you know, church world and uh, nonprofit world over the years, a lot of times the person at the front of the room considers themselves the storyteller. Maybe they've processed their story, they're sharing it with others, and they don't, they forget maybe that the people to whom they are speaking need 
to tell their story back. And, mm-hmm. and you forget, like, I'm the storyteller. I ha- This is my role. Listening is part of the storytelling process as well, right? Oh, for sure. Because why tell your story to connect to other people if they can't tell you theirs back? Mm-hmm. That's what levels the playing field so that everybody in the company, even though there are levels of leadership, they're all standing on the ground that says we're all human beings and we're all working together, you know. And I think a lot of times the person at the front of the room, the leader, the person that's leading the meeting, um, it's important to remember that just as important as sharing your story is hearing back Mm. the stories of the people in the room, maybe Mm -hmm. the quiet one at the table. Our last podcast with Julie Kratz, she was talking about paying attention to the person who's not speaking up mm. and call their story out or call not in a in an embarrassing way but just to say you know how does this resound with you and maybe learning their perspective mm-hmm. but I just think it's more reciprocal than we often think you know let's let me tell my story so everybody can listen to me I'm applaud no it's so that they can feel safe to share their own yeah right oh absolutely yeah absolutely and I the not a leader so if you're of a big company you're not going to be able to connect with everybody that's Mm -hmm. not true right so if you manage a thousand people Mm -hmm. like your bandwidth to listen to everyone's story isn't there but the the piece that's important is do you value your own story well enough to listen to yourself so then maybe you can go listen to somebody else Mm -hmm. because if you don't value it here in your heart, if you don't value your own story, how will you be able to listen to anybody else's? Right. Well, well said. Right. Well said. So true. Somebody out there that's like having a light bulb moment right now, like, oh my goodness, maybe I have a story. What do I do? Like you've mentioned, write it down, Mm -hmm. have coffee with a friend, be willing to share your story. Are there anything other things, steps that you would tell, you know, people, if you're just beginning to start processing how your story is significant, what other things are we forgetting? So I would say many people, they are looking for opportunities to share their story. Like, where would I share it? So start asking for the opportunity. Hmm. So, oh, how do you get these speaking opportunities, Alex? Many of them I've asked for. You'd be surprised when you put yourself out there and say, are you looking for someone to talk on this? Do you know anyone who might be interested in this topic? People, we are born to help. So when I ask you, do you know anybody that might be interested in hearing this? Your mind's going to go and you're going to try to help me find that. Mm -hmm. So look for opportunities in safe venues safe venues first to start mm-hmm. sharing a story. Okay. I mean, unless it's, I, I, we talk about this, we've kind of encapsulated this and it's like some big vulnerable story. If you've got a phenomenal story that you're super comfortable with and you just need to get out there and do it, then get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Ask for, for the sure. opportunity, look for the opportunities, be willing to donate your time and your services to somebody that needs to hear it. Your church, your rotary club, mm-hmm. your, my heck, your book clubs, just start asking people. Yeah. Just start asking yeah. to get out there and do it. Yeah, that's good. Put it on YouTube. That, so other suggestions. Oh, that's a great idea. You, tell it out that's loud. Mm-hmm. Tell it on a podcast. Ask it to be a podcast guest. Yeah. 
Hey, can I share my story on Love Better? Anybody got a great story that they want to share on Love Better? Huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think we know I mean, people that can maybe, make that happen. Maybe I've got something important about how I've loved somebody better. Or someone That is intentional sarcasm in my tone, yes. Yes. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so, trust me, yes. We are always um, anxious to hear someone's story um, because through our stories we see through one another story, we see ourselves mm. and we also get outside of ourselves at the same time. That's this is phenomenal magic that happens with storytelling. And I think when we get outside of ourselves, who knows what could happen? Yes. What's the broader implication that my story has for the world? Yeah. There's a phrase that I used to not understand and people say, I'm going to put this out into the universe, you know, and that sounds <laughs> kind of like woo woo, you know, but as we've talked about many times, when I wrote Auntie Anne's story, Auntie Anne's pretzels, I wrote a book a couple of years ago. It came out in September. And I remember the biggest thing about her story was the first time she told it, the things that started to happen inside her heart, mm-hmm. a story that she never thought she could say out loud. Now she tells it to thousands of people. It's published. It's everywhere. There was a time when she was like, I can never tell anybody what has happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. And she did the difficult work of learning, learning, you know, how to tell it, getting help, getting stronger. But when you put your story out, I'm putting using air quotes, into the universe, <laughs> <laughs> the ripple, the domino effect that happens because you boldly told something that you didn't think you could tell there's a redemptive thing that happens mm-hmm. and it comes back to you in a million other ways. Would you agree? Do you agree. see this all the time? All the time. Yeah. And the things that are hardest to talk about, once you bring them into the light, we know this. Mm-hmm. We know this. <laughs> it makes it easier yeah. because all of a sudden when it's in the light, Scott can say, oh, I did that too. What are you so embarrassed about? Right. <laughs> all, the yes. all the time. All the yes. time. Yes. Here's this thing that I'm stewing on. It can even be a small thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a small thing in our day that we're super embarrassed about. For example, we're talking today <laughs> yeah. about dumb email mistakes that we've made and how you can get so in your head about that. Oh my gosh. But as soon as I talk about that to somebody else, number one, the other person will tell you something ridiculous like, get over yourself. <laughs> or Yeah, like your friend did yes. today. Exactly, which is perfect, and it made me laugh. It's what I needed to hear, because had I stayed trapped in that all day... Mm-hmm. You'd have been stuck. I would have been stuck all dang day. Yeah. So those things that are awkward, embarrassing, weird, funny stories, those those things, mm, yeah. bring that stuff into the light. So everything from the very, very dark, yeah, right? Auntie mm-hmm. Anne, very, very dark, to that really doofy thing that you did this morning. Mm-hmm. That- verbalizing, the act of verbalizing, writing, mm-hmm. sharing. Oof. Just take, right? Get out of your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get out of your head. Yeah. And the wor- the and the benefit that you get of telling the story is so much more than the benefit you get of getting to hold on to the secret. Mm. Right? You can say that again. The benefit that you get from telling your story is better than the benefit of keeping it to yourself. Oh, basically, there's not a benefit to yeah, basically it to yourself. You're, <laughs> basically, you're either hoarding your goodness right, mm. or hiding your shame. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm. And shame Mm-mm. is only a thought. If you think about it, let's let's break it down. Shame is not really a thing. It's what we think about a thing, right? Mm. Don't you think? Yeah, that's a good way to say it. So that. we get yeah. this in this tornado in our head, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm so ashamed of what I've done. That is all this story you've spun in your head. And maybe because it's somebody shared you, you know, their opinion and you feel like the whole world just can't handle your story. But really, shame is just a manufactured version of your story that's lying to you, basically. <laughs> or we someone else's tangent. thought of right, you. Right, yeah. 100%. Yeah, exactly, someone else's or thought. Or what you're worried about someone else's thought will be you, which is not even actually the th- actual thought. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't trust everything that's going on in your head. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. It is. Alex, thank you for being with us today. Thank Thanks you. for having me. So oh, good. my goodness. So the person out there that says... I must hire Alex to come and talk to my team. Ooh, or for to sure. help me prepare for my talk. Yes. So you can contact me at www.pswithalex.com. You can contact me through that, or it's alex at pswithalex.com. Yes. So you can contact me there. You can contact mm. Scott and Emily at lovebetter.world, yeah. and yes. we will forward your message to By Alex. all means. By all means. Yeah. So I do individual coaching, I do group coaching, and I do keynote speaking. And for our listeners out there, we will have Alex's website as well as uh, the way that you can see her TEDx talk and on our social media and on lovebetter.world. And if you like this podcast, make sure that you let us know what resonated with you in the comments and also share it. And we would really love that because we want to continue the conversation. Yes, we do. If you have a story you want to tell, feel free to email us and we can't wait to hear it. (laughs) We're out. See you, everybody. 